And while you're holding your place in Matthew chapter number 14, go with me to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3, and tonight I want to, uh, to kind of introduce, and many of us, if not all of us, are familiar with Peter. Uh, I mean, how could you not be familiar with Peter? Peter was one who was used mightily of the Lord, and uh, he had, had great zeal and passion and desire to serve the Lord and serve with the Lord. And you study his life out, and there are a lot of things that we find about the life of Peter where you begin to study his life out, and you say, man... And Peter was a zealous person. There were some things that Peter said that, man, we probably uh, have to be careful about. And there were some times that, that Peter had failed. And there were some times where the Lord shed some grace on the life of Peter. And there are times whenever you look at his life and you see the, 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 the failures, if you would. But then you also see those times whenever he was doing something great for God and, and understand that the Lord used him in a mighty way. And tonight I want to introduce in Matthew chapter number 14 the life of, of Peter But as you're holding your place there, I want you to go with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter number 3. In holding your place in in Matthew chapter number 14, this evening I want to to preach the first message of a series of probably ten messages this summer on the life of Peter. And as you think about Peter, there's much that you think about, but if there's one thing that I begin to see about the life of Peter after his encounter with Christ is that Peter was always wanting more. And I wonder this evening, as you come to the place in your life, as you you begin to think about your own personal walk with the Lord, I wonder if the thought of living for the Lord and doing something great for God obviously ought to be a desire. But this, this summer, if you would, my prayer is that I simply want more. I want more. You think about all of the problems, you think about all the situations, you think about all of what's going on right this very moment. And a couple of months ago, as we preached on taking things to the next level as a church uh, and in our personal lives, this, this evening, the Lord has burdened me because I want to do more and I want to see more in my own personal life. I want to do things for God that, that, I, that He can only accomplish through me. I want to do more for Him. I want to see what God could do in our church, and if we would get together and say, we want to see more. You begin to step back and you say, could God do more than what he's done lately? Yes, he can. That's That's the joy of serving a God without any limitations, is that he can do anything. And I want more. As you think about wanting more, I want you to notice a couple of things in Proverbs chapter number 3 that I want you to understand and really get a hold of this evening. And they're very practical, but we're going to lay a foundation for this understanding of wanting more. You know, there are a lot of people in this world who want certain things, but they won't put forth the effort to get those things. There are a lot of people who say, I want to, to, to become debt free, but they will never stop spending money. There are a lot of people who say, hey, I want to I want to get in shape, but they will never put forth the, 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 the ability and the, the exercise that it takes. There are people who will, will say, I want to, to grow in my walk with the Lord, but they'll never once open the word of God or spend time in prayer, be faithful to the house of God or to the Lord himself. We can we can tonight say we want more all we want, but if we don't put forth the action, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. As you come to Proverbs chapter number three, look with me Two of my favorite verses in scripture that I cling to often is this. Trust in the Lord, verse number 5, with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You say, I want to see God do more, and I want to do more for God, and I want to accomplish more for God, and I want more tonight. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Three things as we lay this foundation. This is not the message. This is something that we will come back to every single service probably as we address this. I want you to, to grasp this. If you're going to get more, if you're going to do more, you must get direction from God. You must get direction from God. You must get direction from God and His Word. And as you begin to, to understand that God has something for us this evening, as He deals with it right here, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. It's hard to trust in the Lord with all thine heart sometimes. You look at the circumstances, you say, Lord, how do I trust without trying to take things into my own hands? You say, I want more. Well, get direction from God. Get it from His Word. Get it from Him directly. Number two, you must keep that direction. It's one thing to know the direction. It's another thing to stay on the course. You know, you think about this, I'm, anyone out there like me, I'm terrible with direction. If GPS was never introduced, I'd be lost every time someone said, hey, come over to our house. I would be lost. I remember we were, we were uh, going from a, a, a game one time, and Kelly and I were driving, and I missed my turn, and I missed it. And it, it was not just one of those things where, you know, you, you missed it, and it was like a, a reroute two-minute type thing. No, it was like a 45-minute out-of-the-way type of missed and everything. I mean, I'm just terrible with directions. If you tell me, hey, it's over here, meet me over here, I'm going to have to pull it up with a GPS or I'm not getting there. I'm terrible with directions. And one of the things that I have found to be true in the Christian life is there are a lot of times where we know the direction God wants us to go, but we won't just use the GPS that's in front of us. We like to try to take and say, well, there's probably a quicker way or there's probably an easier way to cut the corners here. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we serve a God who doesn't cut corners. I'm thankful that the process, even though sometimes it might hurt, and even so sometimes it's, it's something that's uncomfortable, He doesn't cut corners. As you begin to think about keeping that direction, I want to encourage you to remain steadfast in keeping that direction. There's going to be circumstances. There are going to be people that try to discourage you. There's going to be times whenever you say, oh, if we can just get there. No, no, no. Remain steadfast. Keep that direction. And be unmoved by this. Remind yourself of God's will. If you would just begin to, to say, Lord, every single day I'm going to be given to you and remain steadfast and remain unmoved, you would be able to keep that direction. And then the third thing is this. You must use that direction. So find the direction, keep the direction, and use the direction. Use it for the glory of God. Don't use it for your own glory. Don't use it to boast yourself or build yourself up. And not only that, use it for others. You know, there, there are a lot of people that are going to be put in your life for the next couple of months that God is going to try to use you to be an influence in their life. Use that direction that you have found from the Word of God, that wisdom that you get into the Word of God and you study the Word of God and you say, man, there's so much here. The Lord's going to put you in someone's path that you can share that with them. Use it for the glory of God, but use it to help others. That direction that you're thinking about. As you begin to think about wanting more, and as you begin to think about standing out, if I were to, to name the series of, of the life of Peter, I would say that Peter stood out. There are a lot of passages in Scripture that you go to the life of Peter and you may begin to say, man, the, the character, the, the individual that I begin to, to notice here is, is Peter. Because Peter was a different individual. Peter was one that was, was very boisterous, had a lot of zeal, but he was okay with standing out because once he met Christ and Christ changed his life, that's the only thing he cared about. The only thing he cared about. Even whenever he failed and he denied the Lord, the very next thing he does is he goes and weeps over this. 
And my favorite story in all of the Word of God outside of, obviously, uh, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins is whenever He says, go tell my disciples and Peter. Man, the picture of grace right there. I love that story. As you begin to think about this and everything that is going on here, go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14. As you come to this portion of Scripture, we lay a foundation for just a few moments, and I want you to really understand everything that is going on. Because if, if you were to ever get to the place where you say, I want more, then there are going to be some things that have to be put forth. You look at this story, and oftentimes in Matthew chapter number 14, as you look at verse number 22 on down, we know that Peter is about to walk on water. And the very next thing that we begin to think about when Peter is walking on water is we'll say, yeah, but he failed. Yeah, but he, he, he didn't walk on water long. He, he ended up looking at all this and looking at all that, and he didn't stay on the water because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And that is true. And Brother John and I have had this conversation many, many of times, but there are many Christians who will criticize Peter for getting out of the boat and taking his eyes off of Jesus, but many of us won't keep our eyes on Jesus in the boat. We won't even get out of the boat. And we begin to criticize Peter and say, oh yeah, but you got out of the boat, and then you, you, you begin to take your eyes off of Jesus. And many of us tonight are sitting in the boat and we don't even have our eyes on Jesus. And that's a sad truth that we're living in in this day and age of Christianity. As you come to Matthew chapter number 14, this is actually the very first message, the true message that I ever preached in a church service before. And I preached on the, on the, 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 the passage here, Matthew chapter number 14, the very first time I ever taught Sunday school, I taught on Joshua chapter number 1. And the very first time I actually was able to preach in a church service, I preached on Matthew chapter number 14. I love this story. And as you begin to lay a foundation for this story, I want you to notice for just a moment, in verse number 22, the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained. And that word constrained there means to be ordered, if you would. Uh, it simply means to be told or commanded to do this. And so Jesus is going to tell his disciples to go into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent away the, or the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. There's so much in those two verses right there if you were beginning to cross-reference and see what's going on. And the reason that Jesus, part of the reason that He was going away is in John chapter number 6, verse number 15. If you flip over there for just a moment, you'll see that in this passage of Scripture, the people were going to try to crown Jesus King. But they did not want to crown Him King because He was ultimately the King of Kings. They did not want to crown Him King because He was the Lord and Savior. They wanted to crown Him the King because of what that He had just done for them. The Bible says in John 6, verse number 15, And when Jesus perceived that they would come and take Him by force to make Him a King, He departed again into a mountain Himself alone. Now they wanted to make Him King because they had just seen a miracle of Him feeding them. Not because He was truly the Lord. And so Jesus steps away and the motivation and the, mo the, the motivating factor for them to crown him was not what ought to have been. And so Jesus sends his disciples across the sea here and he's constrained them. He's ordered them, if you would. As you begin to dive into this, you, you begin to see that as our society has changed, there are many people in verse number 22, as it says, that he went while well, he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. And then you cross-reference over to John chapter number 6. There's a telling uh, story that is continuing today that there are a lot of people who want to acknowledge Jesus in their own viewpoint, if you would. 
They, there are a lot of people in this world that, it, that acknowledge Jesus in the viewpoint of, oh, I, that is my, my Jesus when I need Him to, to give me something. That, that's my Jesus whenever I, I need Him to, to really answer a big prayer that, that I need answered. That's, that's my Jesus whenever uh, I need a miracle to be done, but that's oftentimes a lot of people's viewpoint of Jesus. That only I need Him whenever, or He's only Jesus when I need Him. And in this portion of Scripture, as you cross-reference over to multiple different uh, passages here, you begin to see that that is something that was occurring even then. And so Jesus goes, and he spends some time alone. The Bible says in verse number 23, he was there alone. And there's a message right there. If you don't have a quiet place already in your personal walk with the Lord to go and spend some time in prayer, I want to encourage you to do so. But at the time of what's going on here, as he has just constrained them, he's told them, he's commanded them, there, there begins to be a storm, if you would. And in verse number 24, the Bible says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. So you begin to see that there's a storm on the sea. As you begin to think about this storm on the sea, there's so many different things concerning this storm that we begin to relate to. You know, storms often deal with and begin to reveal it speaking of trials oftentimes. And the storms of life and the difficulties of life and the, the many issues of life, the trials that we personally face. You see, we are living in a, a world and a society today that is full of storms, if you would. Man, you turn on the TV and we just saw a storm just over 24 hours ago. You think about uh, politicians don't know how to fix things and they're, they're confused about those things. Christians are leaving the church and just today I was reading that over five preachers that somebody else knew just in the last week has just resigned and churches are shutting the doors. We're living in a crazy day and age. We're living in uh, times that are a little bit discouraging if you're not careful. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus and you look at the world's conditions, you'll get discouraged rather quickly. The storms of life, the, the trials, if you would. But these were not just the storms of life as it begins to deal with this storm here. We, we deal with those trials, but also those trying times. You think about those trying times, and I ask you this question this evening, what would it take for you to quit? And we're going to get into the message here in just a few moments. Brother John, if I could get your uh, help. There, many of you have made reference, you see a boat up here. It's not actually a boat, but we're going to call it a boat this evening, okay? And uh, I want to illustrate a couple of things to help you to understand exactly what is going on in this portion of Scripture. And in this portion of Scripture, as you begin to see, and look with me if you would, in verse number 24, the Bible says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Okay, now, it, the, what is going on is it says that the, 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 the sea tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Jared, if you would, go ahead and get in the boat. And I want you to understand this for just a moment. I'm going to turn this off while I get this... this. We're going to get it just right. We're going to get it just right. 
Come on, I'm on. Okay. You hold this for me real quick. You got that? You can't hold it? Come here real quick, Devin. Come hold this for me. I don't need this fan falling on him. I want you to look with me at verse number 24. All right, I got it. Verse number 24. You can be seated. The Bible says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Look, these were, these were, this storm was a, a trial, if you would. We see the storms of life. And you think about the trying time here. It says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now, as you, you look here and you begin to see, we might overlook verse number 24 at the very end when it says that the, the waves were tossing and the wind was contrary. And we, we go ahead and we look at forward and we see that Peter is going to say, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And we might say, oh, well, he's going to go and he's going to walk. And then all of a sudden, it says at the very end of verse number 29, it says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he's, he's all fine in verse number 31. We jump to that. But in verse number 30, we would look at it and say that he sees that that wind is boisterous. That, that all of a sudden, Peter begins to see that it's, it's storming. But it was storming the whole time. You see, there, there are trying times. And one of the things that we find to be true about the Christian life is that oftentimes we, we begin to look at our circumstances. Our circumstances is not what brings us down. It's when we get our eyes off of Jesus in the midst of those circumstances. Now, I don't know about you. We, we, this is an industrial fan. We use this in our house. I, don't, I, I like the, the heavy-duty fans. So this wind was boisterous. This is on level one right here. Now, it is boisterous. Go ahead and grab that paddle. Now, as it says the fourth watch of the night, it's speaking of that 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. time period. Now, I wonder, I don't know if any of you, any of you ever been in, in a boat in, in a storm? I remember a couple years ago we were on vacation, and we were on vacation during a storm, and man, we were trying to get back. We were over uh, fishing and had to get back. It was about a 10 to 15 minute uh, commute, and we were trying as quickly as we can. But you know how it is, when them waves start picking up, it hurts. And six of us were in that boat trying to get from one side back to the house, and it's just, I mean, it hurts. And you know, whenever you're sitting there on that boat, and you're trying to get back, and that rain is just hitting you, it hurts. It hurts. And as you begin to think about Peter here, I mean, he, it's, it's hitting him. I mean, it's, it's, it's really getting him. I mean, it's, it's lighting him up. He's, he's trying to, to get as far as he can. Look, I mean, it's just wearing him out. He, he's trying. And I wondered... Jared, you're, yeah, you're getting soaked. Hey, I wonder, at what point would you just give up? Imagine with me for just a moment. At what point would you just give up? What would it take to break you? Oh, you stay right there. You begin to think, at what point... Would you just give up? Now, he's soaked, but you get a shower tonight. You're good to go. That's your shower. You don't get to shower. I mean, 
whatever, you, you, you get to shower right this very moment. Plan ahead. You stay right there. In Matthew chapter number 14, we see what's going on. Look with me, if you would, for just a moment over in Mark. Mark chapter number 4. Jared, you stay right there. In Mark chapter number 6, verse number 48, the Bible says, And he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Now that fourth watch was that 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. there. And as you begin to think about your personal walk with the Lord and you think about those storms of life and, and sometimes how they're a, a trial that you just are wanting to be done with. But they're trying times. I mean, sometimes you just feel as though you've just been beaten down and it just won't stop. You know, the, the old term, when it rains, it pours. And you begin to think about that in those trying times and those storms. It's just as though it doesn't stop. And you can't figure out what's going on or why it's happening. As you think about what's going on here, as you begin to think about them and the disciples here, and the storm that is going on, at any point they could have stopped. At any point they could have just they could have said, all right, we're done. At any point they could have just said, hey, we're turning around. Now, this isn't pleasant, is it, Jared? It's annoying. Trying times are annoying. Trials are annoying. It's hard, and I wonder tonight, as you begin to think about your own personal walk, what would it take for you to say, I'm done? You see, tonight I'm I'm preaching a message saying, I want more. And here's what I want you to understand. Peter was about to get more. Peter was about to take things to the next level. But it wasn't an easy situation that he encountered. I mean, it's stormy. It's a trial. It's trying times. I mean, rowing, as you begin to think about that, I mean, all that water that was just sprayed on you, you were rowing the entire time. And it's not just a a couple minutes type of thing. It's hours. Sometimes the Christian life feels like you just keep going, going, going. Jared, you can depart. In verse number 28, the Bible says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. But I think sometimes we take for granted exactly what happens here. We just look at it and say, oh yeah, it was just raining. No. You ever ever had someone, you're telling someone some of the issues that you're facing and some of the things that you're going through and they just look at you and say, well, it doesn't sound that too bad. To the person that's in it, it's pretty bad, right? And if someone were to look at you and say, oh, it doesn't seem like it's that bad. But it's miserable. It's hard. You think about people who are going through things and they're trying to share all those and and someone might say, well, there's people that are worse off than you. Well, that's obvious. That doesn't mean what you're going through right then and there is not a hard thing. And sometimes we take for granted right here what's going on as if, you know, it should be expected that they would just continue rowing in the boat and as if it should be expected that they should just continue doing what they're supposed to as if we do as well. 
But how many times, if we were in that same exact situation, if the storm was going on, if we had said, you know what, I'm turning around. Let me go get shelter. I'll meet up with Jesus the next day. When the storm passes by, that's when I'll meet up with Jesus. But right now, this storm is just not worth it. You see, it speaks of those trying times. Those storms here, and in the midst of that storm, notice what it says in verse number 27. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You see Christ's reassurance here. As Peter begins in verse number 28 to call out to the Lord, you begin to see that Peter begins to walk on the water, and all of a sudden he begins to sink, and as Jesus saves him, and then he goes on to scold him. He says right here, in verse number 30, And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? In this portion of Scripture, you begin to see a foundation that's being laid. And one of the things that I began to think about as I began to study the life of Peter was very simply this. Peter stood out. And I don't know about you, but I want to stand out. I don't want to stand out and people say, oh, look at Josh Farmer. I don't want people to say, oh, look, look, look what Josh is accomplishing. I want to stand out because I want to be someone that's different and do something for God. I want to be someone that, that says, I want more, even if it means, Lord, that I have to go through another trial. Lord, I want more, even if it means that, hey, I have to endure some testings. And as you begin to think about Peter, you begin to think about all that was going on. In verse number 28 and 29, Peter's about to get more. And Peter's about to stand out. But before that, he had to endure something. He had to endure going across the water. He had to endure going across the Sea of Galilee. And in and, and, and the storm and all of what was going on, the wind was boisterous. He had to endure that. And I wonder sometimes if tonight you find yourself here and you say, you know what, I do want more, but I'm not going to want more if it means I have to do this or go through this. You see, in the Christian life sometimes, we put limitations on what we are willing to do for God and are willing to receive from God or see God do in our lives at, at certain levels. Lord, I will, I, will, I will go on the mission field for you. If you call me to a tropical island. Lord, I will will go into the ministry. If that means that it's going to be extremely easy, I'm not going to have any issues with people. I'm not going to have any issues with problems. It's always going to be comfortable. Lord, I'll go into the ministry. Lord, I will will quit this job and and accept this new job if you'll you'll allow this to happen, you'll allow this to happen, and I'll be able to do this. And we begin to put stipulations on what we're willing to do for God if He will do it this way. And I wonder if Peter here, if he would have been able to see the future, if he would have said, you know what, Lord, I want to walk on water if you don't make make the storm present. But this is a testimony of many of the lives of Christians where oftentimes before you experience more, you're going through that storm. You're in the midst of that storm. You think about some of the greatest times in your life and some of the greatest experiences in your life. And I think about our church. Man, back in 2020 as we were were thinking about and praying about some things and seeking the Lord's will, I remember there was a a rough patch at the beginning of 2020. Brother John and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There was a rough patch of of just the, the... 
financial roughness and, and, and people sick and, and just it seemed like the Lord was trying to work, but the devil was really fighting it. And then junior camp takes place and teen camp takes place and the, 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 the teen conference takes place and then, you know, we have a special meeting that's taking place and all of a sudden it's just, oh, man, the Lord just breaking through left and right. But I go back in my own mind and I look back and I remember the storms. And in your own personal lives tonight, you remember some of those storms and in those times in your life when you were wanting the Lord just to stop the storm. You ever laid down at night and you just said, Lord, I, I just don't know how much more I can do. I just don't know. A preacher was talking just recently and, you know, not every, not every pastor gets to pastor a wonderful church like ours. Y'all have made it extremely easy. That's not to say some of y'all aren't difficult. I'm just kidding. There are difficult times. That's obvious. Every, every ministry has difficult times. Every pastor has difficult seasons. But not every pastor gets to pastor a wonderful church like this. And the burdens that some of those pastors and the burdens that some of those that, that they're facing, the, 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 the burdens of the people and the burdens of the, the hardships of COVID that are still lingering and the, the difficulties of, of the situations in the certain cities they're in and, and the problems that arise, some of them are, are, are weary. There are Christians right this very moment across different parts of the nation and even parts of the world that are weary because they just want the freedom to be able to meet together. There, there, are, there are Christians today that, as we heard the testimony of your Maham, that are weary because of that, that, that people that are passing away left and right. There are people that are weary, families that are weary because of the circumstances that they're right now in the midst of. And I wonder as you look at the story here and you look at Peter and you begin to see all that he's about to encounter, if you were to say, Peter, was it worth it? Uh, Peter, I mean, you had to endure the storm and you had to do this and you had to, you were rowing across and you thought it was going to be a ghost and you didn't know what was going on and you didn't have any idea, was it really worth it? If he'd say, yeah, the storm was worth it. Because I got to experience more with the Lord. You know, I, I don't. I, it's, it's one of those things that's hard to explain. And personal experiences in your life, you, you begin to see some of these things. You begin to see it lived out. You begin to see it experienced in your own personal life or in the life of others that you're close to, or whatever the case might be. But I don't know what it is about trials that you begin to you, you see one spectrum or the other. You begin to see in trials and storms of life where people either just quit on God. Or they say, no, we're going to buckle down and we're going to really see this through and watch God work. And I remember that, that, that the darkest season of, of our lives, mine and Kelly's, was a couple years ago when she did experience those, those miscarriages. And then all of a sudden you throw in COVID with that and trying to pastor through COVID and trying to, I don't know how many nights that I went to sleep thinking, man, have I made the right decision? What is the best decision? What's the right decision here? What do we do here? And I mean, just wondering, you know, you know what do you do here? And things that you, you weren't taught, nothing that any other pastor has been through. Because we're, we're all enduring this at the same time. And in that dark season, I remember just saying, you know what, we're just going to keep going. And you say, well, was the storm worth it? I'm standing on the other side of the storm now. And I get to see what the more was. 
And I'm telling you, it was worth it. And here's why it was worth it. It was worth it because in the midst of the storm, I didn't leave God out. It was worth it because in the midst of the storm, I said, God, we need you. Lord, we're going to continue to follow you. Lord, we're going to continue to walk with you. And it was in the midst of the storm that we said, Lord, we're just going to keep pressing on and just see what you do with all of this. It was in the midst of the storm where we said, Lord, we're going to draw closer to you. You see, the storm itself will always be around. There will always be seasons of storms. It's been put many times like this. You're either being prepared for a storm, you're in the midst of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. You're being prepared for a trial. You're in the midst of a trial. You're coming out of a trial. It's, it's been put that way for, for many, many years. And as you begin to think about that in your own personal life, I wonder tonight who's in the storm. And you say, I want to, I want to see more, but man, am I weary. Could I encourage you? Keep pressing on. Keep rowing. You say, as Jared was sitting there in that, that, that kayak here, as he was talking, and he said, it's annoying. Storms are annoying. They're frustrating. He said, it's not fun. They're not fun. But keep rowing. Keep rowing. As you begin to think about Peter, and we're not going to get into all of it this evening. I'm going to share the points, and I'm not going to elaborate this evening, but I want you to see them. You can probably guess them wherever it is. Number one, more was desired. More was desired. Peter said, if it be thou, bid me come. It was desired. He went out. We'll elaborate on it next week. A move was demanded. The Bible says in verse number 29, as he said, come. Four letters, one word, a powerful statement, come. As you begin to see Peter come out of the boat and walk on the water, you see that a mind was distracted. He begins to do one thing that he should not have done, and we notice that in verse number 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. We say, oh, well, Peter just then noticed the storm. No, I don't think he just noticed the storm. I think he was out of his comfort zone. And it was natural to look away. It's easy sometimes whenever you're in the boat to keep plugging along. But whenever you want to see God do more and you get out of your comfort zone, sometimes it's hard to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. His mind was distracted but then you see a miracle was demonstrated. And this miracle was very simply found in verse number 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand and caught Him and said unto Him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I wonder tonight, we'll, we'll cover most of this next week and deal with some of this, but in the midst of the storm, it would have been easy for Peter to say, you know what, uh, we're, we're, let's turn back around. We'll meet up with Jesus later on. But we notice that Peter wanted more because while all the others stayed in the boat, Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come on the water. I imagine in this situation, it's stormy waters. And as you begin to think about those storms sometime, as I begin to go and I relate to going on vacation and being in that boat and that stormy water, and as you begin to think about certain things that you might not want to do and certain things that you might want to do as you're going back in the storm, you're not going to talk me out of getting out of that boat. I'm not jumping out of the boat in the midst of a storm on the water. I'm not going to jump out of the boat and say, hey, yeah, I'll see you guys back at the house. That's not happening. And I wonder if the disciples, as they saw Peter get out of the boat, if they're thinking, Peter, are you crazy? But Peter very simply said this. If Jesus is there, I want to be there. 
He wanted more. Could I encourage you tonight? I don't know about you, but I want to be where Jesus is working. I want to be where God is doing something. I want to follow if the Lord is leading because He has something in store. And tonight, I don't know about you, but as I enter the summer of 2022, my prayer is this. Lord, I want more. I want more. Well, Josh, that means you're going to have to study a little bit harder if you want to, you want to see all of what I have for you. Okay, Lord, I'll, I'll study harder. All right, that, that means you're going to have to pray a little. Uh, you're going to have to get serious about some things. You're going to have to take some steps of faith. That means you're going to have to, to really dig a little deeper. That means you're going to have to really be unmoved. You're going to be tried. And you're going to go through some trials. You're going to see some things. You're going to endure some things. Lord, I want more. And I wonder, as I sit myself in that boat, and as I begin to think about wanting more, Storms of life are going to come. At what point are we going to quit? I don't know about you. I would imagine there are some that are being prepared for a storm right this very moment. I would imagine that there are some that are in the storm and there are some that have just come out of the storm. And on the other side of those storms, as I've come through some of those storms, and many of you have come through some storms of life, as you get through the storm, if you drew closer to the Lord and you allow the Lord to really work in your life, as you stand on the other side and someone asks you, was the storm worth it? You'd say, yeah. It was worth it. Jesus is worth it. Are you saying he, 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 what, he, what He allowed was, you know, are you saying that the Lord didn't do anything wrong? No, He didn't do anything wrong. It was worth it. You see, tonight, I believe that the Lord desires, I believe that He desires in every Christian's life, but as you think about this, I believe He desires that we wouldn't just say we want more. What are you going to do about it? Growing up playing sports, I remember those times whenever I'd be in the offseason, I'd tell my stepdad, hey, I want to get better so I can do this. And he'd say, well, it ain't good. Lace them up. We'd go outside and we'd play. I remember as a fifth year, a fifth grader and sixth grader. My, I mean, my stepdad is six three, and and I was you know a short little four foot eight type of guy. I mean, I was a small little guy, and it hit my growth spurt until I was going into eighth grade. I wasn't a big guy, and he didn't take a light on it either. He would swap my shot every single time, and he would talk down to me too. He, I mean, he would let me have it. And I look at that from a, from a practical side of it. And that was the Lord using my stepfather to teach me that there are going to be some things that you really have to work for and stay steady at. There are going to be some times, and I believe that there are some principles that I learned growing up, just practical things from growing up in my home where the Lord began to develop certain things in my life where He said, hey, there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some times when you feel like you're about to, to make a layup and all of a sudden that ball is going to be swatted. There's going to be some times whenever you feel like, hey, everything is going well, and then all of a sudden you're going to turn the ball over and you're going to make a mistake. There's going to be some storms. And as I stand on the other side, I say it's worth it. Can I encourage you to ask the Lord or to commit to the Lord, Lord, I want more this year. What could God do in 2022 moving forward if every single church member of Gateway Baptist Church said, Lord, we're selling out. We want more. What does that mean? I, I don't know. But Lord, help me to stay committed to you. Lord, help me to find that direction and use that direction for you and keep that direction. Lord, help me to stay on track and just say, Lord, this summer I want to do more and see more and experience more because I'm yielding my life to you. I'll tell you this. 
One of the most addicting things in life is watching God work. Man, once you see God save a soul, you just want to go back out there and lead someone else to the Lord. And when you see someone responding in the preaching of the Word of God, you want to get back into the pulpit and preach again. And when you see someone getting in church that you've been praying for, it makes you want to hit the altar and spend some more time praying for someone else. Watching God work is an addicting thing. And if I could be addicted to the the ministry, as the Bible says in the book of Acts, could I encourage you this summer, say, Lord, I want more. I want to experience more. I want to do more. I want to grow more. I want more. What could God do? Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, I don't know about everyone else, but Lord, I want more. As we dive into this passage a little bit deeper next week and see a little bit of what you were doing, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, that we as a church, we would commit ourselves to you and say that we want more, that we want to experience more, that we want to do more, that we want to grow more, that we want to walk closer to you. Lord, we want more. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would draw us to this altar and, Lord, that we'd commit this summer, the summer of 2022, Lord, that families would commit themselves to it. Lord, that couples would commit themselves to it. Lord, that young people, Lord, would commit themselves to it. Lord, that individuals, Lord, we would commit ourselves to this year, this summer, and say we want more. Lord, I pray that you would do only what you can do. I pray that we'd yield our lives to you. Lord, as we see in this passage of Scripture, Peter wanted more, but he had to go through the trial, the storm on the water. But I don't think he'd take it back. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to experience and do more this summer. We'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.